What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and this week we're talking about uh, a turkey that I killed, a nice big old tom that I killed on public land. Uh, last week, I am solo. Uh, the hunt, I am solo right now talking to you guys. The hunt I did with a buddy of mine named Justin. Um, Justin's a great dude, a friend that I met in college, and then ended up having a work thing with him. Um, just like happenstance that we ran into each other at this work thing. He works for a construction company. I work in software sales and then just talked to him a little bit. And he was like, yeah, dude, I've never shot a Turkey before. So him and I went out there, um, and tried to get him one. I ended up killing one. Um, but at the same time, it was just a kind of a fluke. I set him up for success and the bird worked right around him and came right to me. But it is a, a, a public land hunt that we that we put a lot of effort into, and so we're going to cover that and and walk through some some tips and tricks that I've learned over the years and how to kill these birds on on public ground. Um, but before we get there, I just want to throw out there again: June 11th, I'm having an archery shoot. Uh, it's the Deer Vein Archery Shoot. The we call it the Playground 3D because it's going to be hosted at our my personal hunting property, my family's personal hunting property outside of Dodgeville, Wisconsin. It's a hundred acres. We're going to have uh, 15 Reinhardt 3d targets set up across the hundred acres, 40 bucks gets you lunch, gets you dinner and gets you unlimited shooting for the Saturday that we're there. You guys bring the beers, the laughs, the good times, and I provide the course and the food. All right, so if you're interested in that at all, please grab a buddy, grab a friend, come solo, grab a few friends, whatever. Hit me up. Um, you can find the find me or the information on Instagram at DeerVane, or you can give me uh, a shout via my email, and that would be hellera90 at gmail.com. Again, it's hellera90 at gmail.com. And one of the really cool parts about this shoot is that our land has a lot of topography to it. Some really steep cliffs, like flat out, honest to God, 20 foot cliffs, rock, sheer rock cliffs that we got targets set up on. We got a creek, we got a nice valley, got some nice tops, got some easy shots at, you know, 20, 25 yards, got some pokes out to 55, 60 yards that are backed up against the cliff. So if you know, you don't want to miss those, otherwise you're shattering your arrow. And there were a few of those last year. Um, so certainly a fun, a fun hunt, um, a tough hunt, but at the, or I'm sorry, a fun shoot, but a tough shoot at the same time, keep you, keep your, your skills honed and, and get after it. Cause I know most of us are just running around with a shotgun right now trying to, trying to get some big old gobblers. So with that being said, um, outside of that, you know, just want to thank, thank Onyx Maps, Venado and uh, Vector Custom Shop for sponsoring the podcast, Onyx Maps, GPS mapping app. Check it out. Just Google it. Uh, Venado is is a great clothing company. Uh, they're based right here in Wisconsin. So great guy over there, Mitch, who runs that joint. And then Isaac over at Ve Vector Custom Shop does a great job getting arrows out. They just released their ZMR, which is their newest arrow that they've set up. Um, got some nicer, tighter tolerances and all that fun stuff. I shot it last year. Um, you know, I'll be a flat out honest. I can't really tell. I'm not a good enough shooter to really say, man, this arrow is a lot better than that arrow. 
Um, but I know that these guys go through a lot of testing and shoot thousands and thousands of arrows before they're approving this. I got these arrows last year in, I think, May, and they were testing them all last year from May, and they just released them now. So they've had them for a year, and they've been putting them through the ringer. So check those out um, if you're interested in rearranging your setup this year, getting some new arrows, getting some new broadheads, recalculating your FOC if you're trying to do that, get a heavier arrow, lighter arrow, whatever it is. Um, if you're looking to get arrows, it's Vector Custom Shop, and they are also out of Wisconsin. So great dudes there. All right, and with that, um, again, I am solo on this podcast today, so I'm just going to walk through the story um, of this turkey hunt myself. Justin was unfortunately unable to make it. He is a huge bass bass fisherman. I got to throw this podcast out now, and he's been busy all week, and then he's got a tournament this weekend, so um, just just unable to make it, and I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe I'll get him on for a, a later podcast here. But um, in general, been hunting um, a lot of this public ground by my house for the last six years. Um, and really, the first couple years, I struggled struggled really heavily with it. Uh, last year, killed two birds in three hunts. And then this year, killed one bird in one hunt out there. So we're cer- I'm certainly starting to get the hang of it and starting to figure out what these birds are up to and what they're doing. Um, and you know, if you've ever listened to any of the, the deer hunting podcast, historical data on deer hunting is, makes a lot of people wildly successful and, and same thing here with turkey hunting and just understanding how the birds like to move through the property as well as understanding where the other hunters are. So I will, I'm thinking in in my mind, I'm going to walk through the story of the hunt and then kind of backtrack or throw in some, some tips and things that learned along the way and reasons why I did what I did and ended up, you know, shooting this nice Tom at, at 20 yards. Um, yeah. So with that, and, and that is one of the other things is that I just got off two days of hunting with, um, my neighbor who we went down to, he drew, uh, in Wisconsin, um, the, the turkey season is broken up into zones and weeks. And he drew a week C zone one tag, which falls into the um, the category of our private hunting ground. And so I said, yeah, man, let's go. You can certainly hunt uh, my ground. He was going to go hunt some public, but we ended up, you know, bopping around um, my ground and my neighbor gave us permission as well. So we, we hunted really hard and the birds just did not cooperate very well. Um, and even though we have the, the hundred acres of private ground, plus my neighbors, 150 to hunt turkeys, I would hunt the public ground outside my house every day over our own private ground because of the, the success that you can experience on the public. Plus, um, with turkeys, there's just something about like being able to really cover some ground, um, you know, deer hunting, you're not really like whitetail deer hunting. You're not listening for, for deer to, to, um, to grunt, right? You're not walking around listening for deer to grunt and then hone in on them and then go after them. And deer also aren't out in the middle of field showing off the rack at 11 AM. Right. So, so there's, there's certain, um, advantages to be able to to be able to cover a ton of ground where this public outside my house ranges upwards of six, 7,000 acres. 
and the hunting ground that we own is is 250 or 100 and then the neighbor's 150 so i got 250. so just the sheer size of being able to roam 6,000 acres versus roaming you know uh 250 just gives you a huge advantage in terms of the where the birds are at certain times of the day so the more ground you have the more likely your opportunity or the 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 higher the your opportunity increases is what i'm trying to say you guys all know what i'm what i'm trying to say here so um you're just yeah your opportunity increases the more ground you have to cover because you, you know you can see more fields you like the birds that we were hunting at our private ground um I'm just going to call it 250 right now because it's the neighbors and ours combined. The neighbor, the birds that we were hunting in the 250, they were really sticking to the woods. Um, a lot of those birds were sticking to the woods, sticking to the right on the edges. And we were seeing a lot of them on the edges, but there were very, very few out in the fields really strutting and, and going after it. And they just were not wanting to talk. Whereas if you're out and you got this 6,000 acres um, and you're roaming around and you're, you're in birds, but they're really tough to kill, well then get off them and go find some other birds. Go look for some other birds in some different fields that may be a little bit more talkative, may be a little bit more aggressive and willing to come to calls, right? Just the sheer size of, of the flocks that are out on this piece of public plus the size of the ground, it just all works to your favor, especially when you're turkey hunting. Now, the big, the big issue, of course, is the pressure in other turkey hunters, right? Are you going to run into other hunters? Um, and you certainly are. I mean, when Justin and I, um, so this, the story goes, uh, it was Friday morning. Um, Justin and I had planned to leave at 7 a.m. from my house. And, and most people are like turkey hunting, you leave at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. You get out there and you get them on the roost and you set up below them and then the birds come down. When I have this this piece of public ground, I used I did that a lot. I used to do that a lot, and um, and I just learned that the birds roosted in very specific areas. So over time, you figure that out, and it's not like the same bird comes back to the same roost every night or anything like that. It's just that like generations and generations of turkeys go through this property and they learn from their parents and from other birds in their flock and other birds on the ground that these are good trees to roost in. So they just typically, they like to roost in the same areas, similar trees. Um, and, and the public that I hunt has no lack of giant monster cottonwoods, oaks, maples, um, whatever these, these deer, you know, big pines, they can roost a lot of different places, but for whatever reason, they like these little pockets. So, um, I, I, you know, it was Friday morning. I had been gone for work for a few days. And so I told Justin, Hey, let me get my family out the door, um, off to daycare and off to work. And then we'll, we'll catch up and we'll head out to the public. And one of his first thoughts was, well, man, aren't we supposed to leave super early and get them roosted and all that, get them out of the roost. And I was like, nah, don't worry about it. Um, we will, we will figure it out once we get out there. I have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do anyway. Because it seems like when these birds drop down, and, and again, back to historical data, they gravitate towards certain certain fields. Um, and even in at certain times of the day. So like, let's just say they're roosting in, you know, tree one, and, and you think they're over in, in area one or tree one. The first, they'll probably hit field one, 
right away off the roost and they're probably going to field two like they hit field one at you know whatever 5 45 a.m when they fly down and then slowly but surely they'll make their way over to field two about 8 a.m then they'll work their way over to field three about you know 9 30 10 then they'll work their way over to you know these other areas and they have like a route that they like to take and it's not that this route is is um uh what i want to say like guaranteed consistent but it's just it seems it seems like these birds just like to move from area to area to area and they like generally go in a certain direction so when i when justin was like you know why aren't we leaving at you know 5 a.m and what are we going to do when we get out there at 7 30 i said well you know when we get out there at, we'll get out there at 7 30 get our gear going we might find some birds right out the truck actually because there are some that are using kind of one of these front fields that you can see from the road but i doubt it i bet there's going to be another hunter in there um so we'll we'll kind of drive around a little bit we'll check out some of these front fields and see where other vehicles are and then we'll dive into you know if we can find you know an easy one right off the front field and then heck yeah we're going to go for it but if we can't um we're going to dive back into the, some of these further back fields that uh, that people don't really consider. And if you're curious about like the, this hunt at all, I did put a big story on my Instagram and my Facebook um, of these of this hunt. So if you're interested in that, um, just check that out. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's saved on Facebook, but I know it's saved on Instagram. I'll have to go through and, and update that on Facebook. But anyway, that was the plan. We drove around. Um, we saw a few trucks that were out there in a few spots. I did. We did see, I saw six birds um, a couple times on a piece of private that was butted up against public. So I knew like as a last resort, we could probably just stop off there and then, and, and try to hunt those birds and pull them over to the public. But then when there was one area that, that I really like and got to that and there were two trucks already there. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, crap. Um, and then I looked up and here comes one guy um, coming out of the woods already at 730 and he was walking back to the to his truck and i looked across the street and which is also public and i saw a guy coming back already at 7 30 um also so both these guys were coming out of the woods already so um in my opinion you know they're leaving early but maybe they just wanted to sneak in a hunt before work right so kudos to them um but they were leaving really early and a lot of people get discouraged you know you get up at 4 a.m you get out there and you find them and you get after them and a hunt from 4 a.m to 7 30 you know you're you're out there for three and a half hours and that's a good that's a long hunt right i mean for most people that's a longer hunt and you get tired or worn out really quick especially when you're up that early and you want and i know a lot of my friends and i used to do it all the time too we'll we'll throw the towel in, you know, at eight or 9am, like, oh, I'm not hearing anything. I'm out of here. And honestly, that's one of the, one of the big tactics I use on public is going a little bit later in the morning. Cause a lot of people will go out there and they won't, they'll hunt until eight or nine, maybe 10 in the morning, then they'll bail out. And like this bird I killed today, or that we're telling the story of right now, uh, I killed him at 1145. And then Justin had Justin had, we had three more encounters with Tom's between one and three o'clock. So we almost killed the second bird too, um, in that late afternoon. And there were zero, when we left at three, we left at 30, I drove around again to those front fields, um, just cause I wanted to see if there were any birds out and there was nobody out on the public at that time. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, that's, that's one of the tactics I use is going later in the morning. Um, and a lot of, like I said, a lot of these people will get and they'll set up and then you also, you don't get walked in on, 
right? That's one of the really crappy things is if you get up there, you know, and you get set up super early and you got to flash people off or you don't see them coming or whatever. And all of a sudden they're on top of you or you're, they're set up on the other side of the field and you didn't notice or something like that. Um, that's one of the other, the other crappy pieces about getting there super early. Um, so, you know, you get out there and, and you're the one causing the ruckus at that point, right? You're the one walking through the decoy spreads. You're the one that's causing the problems. So if you're, you're the, if you can control that, you know, obviously you can walk out, you can glass the fields, you can see if they're decoys or not, you know, and you can figure out where you want to go based on that. So, and I've certainly done that. I've, I've walked into, you know, a few sets where I've like glassed up turkeys and I'm like, oh, those are decoys, you know, 150, 200 yards. And that's another big tip is, is bring your binos. Like a lot of people don't bring binos turkey hunting, man. And, and this bird was killed directly off of bringing my binos. Um, and I have, I think they're, they're vortex, but I think they're 12 by fifties. I did a, I got a couple questions about those after I did the story here. And the binos that I run, um, I did a ton of research on what I wanted um, when I was looking for binos, right? I, I knew I wanted Vortex because they have the lifetime warranty. They're based out of Wisconsin. Great dudes over there. So can't. I, I knew I wanted to get Vortex. Um, and then the next piece was what size and all that jazz and, and how much did I want to spend? Did I want to spend 300 bucks or did I want to spend 1500 um, so I did a ton of research on figuring out what I wanted to do there and then ended up, um, going with, I think it's the 12 by fifties. I think that's what I have. Um, I'm not a hundred percent certain. I'll put that in the show notes if you're actually interested in it. But anyway, um, I, I, I always bring my binos. And so we got out there, um, got out of the truck, walked back. Um, oh, I was never, I'm sorry. I was saying, um, you're the one that's causing the problems or you're, you're the one that can cause the problems. So always bring in your binos, especially if you're going out there later in the morning to check those sets to see if they are decoys or see if they are um, actual birds. That's one of the wor worst things ever is seeing a Tom like 300 yards off or 400 yards off. And you're like, Ooh, I'm going to make a stock on this guy. We're going to set up on the field edge. We're going to kill him. And as you get closer and closer, that bird stays in the same spot and you're like, Oh yeah, he's still there. He's still there. And you get going closer and closer and you're like, Oh man, he's still there. Like I'm my, my hopes dwindling now that because he's still there, he's probably a decoy. And all of a sudden you're walking into someone else's set or something like that, or you're, you're stalking a, a fake, a fake bird for the last hour and a half. And that always sucks. So anyway, that's one of my biggest, biggest tips is the, uh, is, is the binos for sure. So we get out there at seven 30, um, these couple guys are coming in and, and we're working out there. We check a couple of those front fields. There's a few like that you can get around a hill and whatnot, and you can't see from the road. We checked those, nothing. Um, and the DNR in Wisconsin had recently burned the fields. Like we got out there and we looked at the first field that we wanted to go after and it was blacker than black. I mean, it was, it was just pure burn. And we were like, Oh crap. Like how is this going to affect the birds? You know, are they going to want to be in this burn? Are they not going to want to be in this burn? Are they going to be isolated to the pockets that aren't burnt? Or are they going to be willing to come out into the burn? Like, where's the food? I don't know. I don't, I've never hunted a burn before. Um, and this burn was fresh, like it was still warm. So they had probably burnt it, you know, two, three days before we'd been there. Maybe even the day before we saw a few trees that were still on fire and smoldering. So, uh, definitely was one of those interesting things that we weren't totally sure about. 
So um, we get to kind of an area um, that's a bigger field, but it's got a lot of hills, hills within the field itself. You know, these little tiny ditches and rivets and whatever you want to call it. So um, we glassed it up, no birds in the field. So we were like, okay, well, let's just keep working our way along this, this field edge. And, uh, and it, and it's a big, it's a big crest of a hill. This field is, I don't know, maybe a hundred, uh, probably 80 acres, 70 to 80 acres. And it's just a big crest. So we walked one side of it, you know, trying not to expose ourselves to another side. And I knew the birds kind of liked one of these, one of the areas, um, there's a tree line that comes out along this, along this, this edge, um, between a swamp and, and the field. And they liked that tree line. They like to roost in it. They like to, it's kind of like uh, fishing. Like I said, Justin's a big bass fisherman. We equated a lot to fishing um, here because these birds were were holding tight to these like structure, right? Just like if you're fishing for walleyes or, or largemouth or whatever, smallies, um, they're holding tight to the structure. And um, we came to the end of this point and there were, there were not any birds there, but I, I didn't know if there would be. And I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just sit tight for 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. And let's see if we hear anything. And, um, cause they might still be in this swampy area and they just might be working this way. So we set up our decoys and sat down. And, um, as we were sitting down, all of a sudden we heard our pop, 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 pop. And we're like, okay. Perfect. There's a hen here. Where is she? You know, she was way behind us up in the burn. So Justin pops his head up. Uh, I was like, yeah, go take a look. See what's, see what's going on up there. Um, and he had seen, he got up there, came back and he was like, yep, there are, there's a bunch of hens out there and and it looks like a couple toms. He didn't, he didn't have the binos. So I crawled up there. We glassed him up. Yep. There's a real one really nice Tom in there. Um, a few Jake's and about 10 hens. So it was a good, it was a good indication of like, all right, awesome. There's turkeys up here. Let's, let's keep our set and let's see if we can pull them in. And, um, we, uh, we hit the mouth. I had just yelped a few times. Um, he did not respond. Uh, we never heard a gobble out of this bird at all. And we messed around with this bird, uh, probably four. We, we yelped probably like three or four times over the course of 20 minutes. 20, 25 minutes with nothing coming in. And I'm not a great turkey caller. I really only know how to yelp and a little uh, clucking and a little purring. Um, but uh, but yeah, we just kind of sat there and waited it out. And we did get some hens to come through. We had about four hens roll through at 60, 70 yards. And we we're like, all right, if they're coming through, Tom's probably coming through. They saw the decoys, weren't too interested. They just kind of worked their way past us into the swamp. And then... Um, and then we waited another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and the, the Tom never showed and we were hearing hens still up in the field above us. We we're like, all right, what the heck's going on? So we popped up there and yeah, I mean, he still had 10 hens. He wasn't gobbling at all. There were a few other Jakes in there. It seemed like, it seemed like he wasn't moving, right? He was just in with those hens. We're like, all right, well, we're not going to get him to move now. So let's get out of here. And just for, for reference anyway, the, uh, the decoys were, I had a Jake and a hen Dave Smith. So pretty nice decoys. Um, certainly, certainly expensive decoys. I went and spent the money on them one year and, um, and I've killed birds over them every year. I killed, killed the the bird this year over them. So, um, definitely worth the money there. Uh, I don't, I'm not affiliated with Dave Smith at all or anything. Previously I had some fleet farm decoys 
and they just never brought any birds in. So, you know, like a fleet farm special, I forget what they were, but you know, $20, $30 decoys. And I'm sure some people are very successful with that, or even just a turkey fan itself um, are very successful with that. But anyway, that's just what I chose to do, and, and it's been working for me. Um, so take it for what it's worth. So with that, with that Tom hanging out in those hens, we, we dropped down to the edge of this field again. So we were out of sight and we worked around and to try to get to the other side of the field because there's another wood line on the other side of the field and he was hugging close to that wood line. So we, we got up there, um, took us about a half hour to get over there, got up there and he had moved a little bit off the tree line. He was about 50, 60 yards into the field. And again, still had about 10, 12 hens with him. Um, at one point I counted 13 hens. Um, and then I don't know what happened to the Jakes. We didn't see any of the Jakes anymore. I don't know if he kicked them off or they ran off or what, or we just didn't see them. They were over a different rise in this field. But again, this hill, this, this field is like rolling. So you're constantly like wondering where these birds are. Like that's one of the other big problems with this field, um, in terms of like getting close to them. If they're not coming to the calls, Man, for, for me, I love the spot and stalk. They're kind of run and gun style of turkey hunting. Um, I sit enough when I whitetail hunt. So I like to try to get in as close as I can and, and get after it. So uh, we worked closer and yeah, we they were, I don't know, we got as probably as close as like 150 yards from them um, on this wood line and, and it just wasn't working out. And where they were, it was just really tough to pinpoint and get to them um, through the through the woods, but they were working away from us. So we dropped back down into the woods again, worked around them again, and 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 just for for visual reference, there on if you picture a a, a a really slow rolling hill on 100 acres, and the middle is is 80 acres, and the outside 20 of field edges are all kind of big thick timber but it's all sloping downhill right so we're able to drop down out of sight work around them again and come up again to where um uh, to where we thought they were headed that we thought they were working towards the corner of this field um because again again just historically they like to work towards the corner of this field later in the morning and then they will work their way off into a different field um as as they get to that corner they'll just cut through the woods there and, and scoot over to a different field so i was like all right this is going to be perfect justin they're working over there we're going to scoot around again we'll set up and, and we'll get them so we get we get to that corner where we thought they were going to be um they were not there we did bust out a hen that was there i think she was a lone hen that was just coming in um from a totally different flock and we just happened to interrupt her um but so she flew off um, and then we we went over or we got out to the field edge. We, we didn't glass up these birds or we're like, all right, well, where the heck did they go? We're standing there kind of looking for them. We heard a hen yelping out in the field again. We're like, all right, well, they are still here. We just can't see them. It's kind of creeping and creeping. And we did come across the Tom again. And by this point, like we're at an hour and a half to an hour, 45 minutes into this one Tom trying to, trying to, trying to drop down and just get closer and closer to him. And he is just not interested in, in our calls or, or as we found out our decoys. So here we crawled up to one of these little knolls and, uh, and we could see him. We could just see his blue head and his hens were walking away from him and it was just him. So I was like, perfect. This is 
this is our opportunity because there's there's really no way you're going to sneak in on 13 hens and a, and a tom. Um, there's just way too many eyes, especially in a burnt field, right? If there was if there was tall grass in there still, and this field has like I don't know anywhere from like two to four foot tall grass, I mean we would have been able to to belly crawl our way pretty darn close, I think, to to kill this bird. But but in a burnt field, we were pretty much shit out of luck. So what we ended up doing was um, crawling up to this knoll. And I just kind of took the hen decoy and, and just stuck her in the ground and he saw it. He perked his head up and then I picked up my Jake and just with my hand, I just kind of shuffled. I like belly crawled around and held the, held the Jake up with my hand and moved it back and forth, gave it some movement, gave it some life. And he, he, he strutted, he walked about 10 yards to us, strutted up, puffed up. And then puffed down, walked another closer 10 yards. And he was at like probably 70, 80 yards um, at the closest point, puffed up. And then he just kind of looked at us a little bit, then just turned around and just walked away. Like literally uh, called to him, tried to work to Jake a little bit more. We got all excited that he was coming and he just stopped and he didn't like something. So he just turned and walked away. And at that point, Justin looked at me, he's like, let's get off this bird. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this bird. He's, he's too good. Maybe. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Um, and again, this is Justin's first, like he's turkey hunted before, but never, never done a, like a run and gun. He's just gone on a piece of private, sat in a blind for a few hours and then, and then walked out. So he's never kind of done this, but he was like, yeah, dude, this bird's pretty smart, but this is so much fun. I love doing this. If we can find some more birds, that'd be fantastic. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries, man. We'll go see if we can find some other ones. And um, and if we can't, we can always come back here. He, he'll probably still be in here for a couple of hours more if he's feeling really safe. He's got all these hens. And these hens were picking through this burn. Um, they were feeding. We watched them for a little bit. So they were picking at something in there. Um, so for anybody wondering if, if turkeys like or dislike burns, it seemed like they did. Um, so, so yeah. So we were like, all right, well, let's get out of here. Um so we bailed on that bird and again, never a gobble, never a gobble out of him and a ton of hen talking. I mean, we heard yelps and, and cuts and clucks and all sorts of stuff coming out of that, that group, um, the whole time we were on it. So, you know, I don't know why he wasn't gobbling. He, maybe he just didn't feel the need to, maybe when he gobbles, he gets killed. Um, so either he's seen his buddies get killed from goblin. So he just kind of shuts up or it could have just been the weather that day. Don't know no idea. Anyway, so we get off of that field and this field isn't, it's not terribly far back, but here's one of the, the, the keys to like public land hunting is, is, um, is getting to those secondary and tertiary fields that other hunters just don't necessarily go after. Cause this other dude that was out there, he certainly could have made it to this field. He was probably like, I don't know, uh, maybe three or 400 yards. He was set up three, 400 yards from this field where he was walking out of. I, I, I have a really good idea what field he was hunting. And, um, and also in, in Wisconsin, there is farmers can rent like agriculture land from the, even though the ground, um, there are agriculture fields on public ground in Wisconsin. So that was something I've, I'd never hunted that growing up at all, even though I lived in Wisconsin, um, all the, all the public ground I hunted was all timber or marsh, or it was all just, you know, mono something, mono woods, mono marsh, um, or both. And, 
and um, there was no agriculture on any of it. Then when I I've, I started, you know, broadening my horizons, and and really when I got on X and started learning how to, you know, look for pieces of public land and stuff like that, I started finding a bunch of pieces of public that had agriculture on it. So that's where I kind of started um, deer hunting, right? Because you watch deer hunting TV shows and and everybody kills them over, you know, pick cornfields and whatnot. So you start hunting the cornfield edges, you realize no deer ever go out there on public ground and in daylight. So you start hunting the woods deeper and all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, just didn't didn't know that. And, And for anybody else out there that didn't know that either. There you go. So he was hunting this, um, and actually this guy was hunting a CRP field. It was not burnt, which was strange, but um, uh, because they burned everything else, but this one wasn't. And this guy was back in there, and there were birds out there. That's one of the fields that I always that that you can get a gimme on if there are birds in there. There's actually a really easy um, stalking route to get in there and get set up, and and you can usually kill a bird pretty quick if if they're using that front field. And, um, that's the one he was hunting, I assume. And if he just would have, he kind of worked his way back a little bit further, another 10, 15 minute walk, he would have been on these birds that we were hunting. But again, that's one of the nicer things about, you know, um, I'm hunting later in the morning. Maybe he was back there right off the bat and he didn't hear a gobble. So he moved to the other field. You know, this bird just was being really quiet. So we just ended up getting on him. But anyway, after that bird, we gave up on that bird. We went to check another field that I think they usually like. And this one is, the field is private, but the border is public. And they like to kind of work in and out of the private and public. So um, it's kind of one of those where you set the decoys up, you know, 20 yards in on the public. And you get that bird to cross that public-private boundary, work through to your decoys, and you shoot them. Um, and I've had some good uh, good success in this little chunk as well. So we get to that field and boom, like there's a Tom with two hens at 80 yards. It's just kind of one of those things that's like, holy crap, there they are. All right, tuck into the woods. Let's see what happens. And um, we got tucked into the woods. And from where we were, again, it was like 80 yards. There was a brush pile in front of us. Um, And we were in, there's a little tiny woods. It's almost like an elm woods, but um, I don't know what kind of trees. these. Again, I got to improve my woodsmanship here. But these, these elms that were in there, and maybe someone can help me on this, but the whole understory was like this really short, like clovery stuff. I'm not sure what it was, but it's really open in this in this little woods that borders this piece of private. So the problem with that piece is that if, if you're not in there before the birds are kind of in that area, you're not getting in there and getting set up because they're going to see you really easily. So you got to set up on these brush piles on the edges, which essentially are as where like the private land farmer throws a bunch of his brush onto the public, which, you know, I don't know how legal that is, but at the same time, it provides us some blinds to get set up in. So we got set up on one of these and and this Tom was at 80 yards. Again, no gobbles, hens not talking at all. And um, I set the decoys up. We were crawling around and I yelped one time and I said, dude, they're probably coming. Just sit still. And Justin was looking left and I was looking right. And all of a sudden I heard some um, putting right next to us. And I kind of look with my eyes and uh, this hen had worked. We were probably about 10 yards off the field edge. And this this hen had worked um, onto the public and was walking the field edge on the public. and um, And she was at like, I don't know. 
man, Justin could have almost touched her with his gun. Like she was right there. She was probably at like seven or eight feet. Um, and she was just kind of like eyeballing us up. And I was like, dude, don't move, don't move. And we just kind of sat there for a little bit. And she was just standing there. It was one of those really tense situations where you're like, dude, that Tom's got to be right behind her. He's got to be right there. Cause while we were watching her at eight feet, um, another, and the other hen walked past her at like 20, 30 yards in the private still and just walked away. And the Tom was not with her. So I was like, okay, dude, that in my mind, I was like, that Tom's got to be right there. I was like, Justin, don't move, don't move, don't move. And, um, and then I, she walked out of my sight, but she was kind of like directly in front of, uh, Justin and, and she got behind a little brush, a little piece of brush again. And Justin like readjusted his gun, assuming the Tom was going to come right behind her. Cause he sh- could not have shot that hen. So he readjusts his gun. And when he did that, he, the hen picked him instantly and just busted, out, <laughs> busted out of there. So, um, that kind of, that kind of sucked. Um, which, which then I saw the Tom and her, um, the only good piece, the really good piece was they busted out of there and they actually went on to the public. Um, so I was like, okay, well, they, they busted out, but they're on the public and, and they're in a, in a very large stretch of public. We can probably actually go find those birds again. And I think I know where they're going to head. Um, cause again, there's another like strutting area. It's not a field at all. It's just an area that, that these turkeys seem to really like. Um, it's kind of, um, without giving away too much, too much detail, it's kind of some high ground in a marsh really is what it comes down to. And, and around that high ground, it seems like the, the, the grass, the natural grasses that grow out there are just shorter. So it's really easy to see, um, turkeys out there. So these, these toms like to just naturally gravitate towards that. Um, the high ground has a few oak trees on it. So I'm sure there's some acorns in there and, um, some other, you know, bits and pieces of food. So they, they, I imagine hens get in there and toms get in there and they kind of strut around and they, it's, it's a nice little retreat for them, I suppose. So I said, Hey, you know, they're probably heading this way. Let's head over to kind of midway between that. And let's just sit down and see what we find. So we get, we get to the midway point where we're going to sit down and see what we find. And it's, again, it's another really small piece of high ground that I thought they might go to, but they don't really like it that much. Um, I never really have a lot of success on it and we jumped a hen out of there. So there was a hen in there. Um, I don't think it was the hen that that Tom was with, but we jumped her out of there and she flew back from the way we came. And I was like, well, whatever it is, it is what it is at that point. You know, certain things you just can't, can't help with the turkey hunting and you just got to get over and busting birds out of the woods is something you cannot dwell on because it just happens. Their eyesight's so much better than ours. Um, and when you're just walking through there, you're, you're going to bust them. You need to get in order to like spot and stalk and run and gun turkeys. You pretty much have to be able to see that bird before it sees you, or you have to know where they're going. Like that's, that's really the only way to make that work. So when you get busted like that, whatever, scratch it, move on. So we got there and I said, you know what, let's just sit down on this piece of high ground. Let's grab some lunch. I'll set the decoys up. And at this point it's about, I don't know, 10, 30, 11. And again, we started at seven 30. So we've been out there for two and a half hours messing around with these, these couple birds, um, sat down was, we just broke into some cookies and some, um, uncrustables and, within maybe five minutes we were just sitting there shooting the shit we heard a, a two gobbles it was like and we're like holy crap 
and there were two separate gobbles. We hadn't heard a gobble all morning, and it was it was really it was actually really exciting. Justin was like, "Oh my god, gobbles! Yes, fantastic!" One off to our left, one off to our right, and so our initial thought was, "Let's go out in between them. We'll we'll jump into this marsh, get in between these birds, and um, and and just set up the decoys, and hopefully one of them comes to us." And I've tried that in this area. I've, I've done this before and I've had, I've, I've always failed. Um, and when, when I try to set up in this specific area, I don't know what it is. I think it's because the birds have way too many places to go. They can come up from behind you, in front of you, off to your right, off to your left. They can come through the cover. They can come through the fields and, and it's a lot of marshiness. So you, so from the hunter standpoint, and there's very few trees and bushes to set up on, it's kind of just all tall grassy stuff and cattails. It's just a really tough area to hunt. So I, we walked out there and I was just like, and, and we heard one more gobble, I think. Yeah. We had heard one more gobble and one more yelp off to our right. So I was like, you know what? Let's just Let's not go in between these guys and let's go along around the long way um, and just go for the one on our right. And hopefully the one on our left, which is probably the one that we kicked out of the field earlier. Hopefully he just keeps working his way to the right. And if we mess up on the first bird, he'll just keep coming through and we can get an opportunity at the second one. Um, so that was that was kind of our thought. And um and, and, and if we worked around to the right, again, I knew there was that kind of, um, high ground that I talked about earlier with the shorter grass and everything. I was like, I know that's a good spot. So let's just work our way over to that. And let's, let's, let's see what happens. So again, in this, this marsh is, is kind of tall, grassy, like I've, like I've been saying in cattails and they burnt a ton of it. Um, the stuff we were in when we were in the middle was still up. But when we worked around to the right, I was intending on that stuff being still up too, but it was all burnt. So I was like, holy crap, like we're now like that little tiny patchy area that these birds like to strut in. It doesn't matter nearly as much because everything else is flattened too. So they can kind of strut anywhere in this marsh and any of these other hens can see them. And we have very little cover to get back there now because they're going to, if they're out there, we're kind of screwed because there's no way we can get there without them seeing us. Um, so luckily, I mean, just good luck and good timing on everything. We got to the point kind of, um, the point of no return where we really exposed ourselves because we had to make this kind of, um, 300 yard dash to this back, um, this back wooded area. And there was probably like a hundred yard window where we were completely exposed and if the birds were in that burn we wouldn't there would be there would be no way we could get to them absolutely nothing so we'd have to just figure out what they were going to do and then work our way hopefully around them somehow or get them to come back the other way anyway we get to the opening we glass it up glass up the burn nothing um i waited probably like a minute or two minutes and i and I was just glassing and glassing and glassing the edge of it because I figured that bird who had gobbled at that point was in that burn. Um, and we did not see him. So I was like, okay, Justin, we got to make this mad 100-yard dash. We got total exposure here. We got to just run, like literally run. I know, <laughs> I know like that's not something you see all the time, but we literally just sprinted across this. And thank God we did because we got across it and we were kind of huffing and puffing. I was like, Thank, thank you for, for just believing in me, Justin. I know that's weird. And I know you weren't running to planning to sprint a hundred yards in your muck boots today, 
but I think these birds are going to pop out here like any second. And we're sitting there kind of huffing and puffing behind some cover. And uh, we, we, we get going again and we take like five steps and I look over and there are three toms out in that burn. And we must have missed them by, yeah, I mean, I'm talking like 10 to 20 seconds, like just beautiful timing. Um, and so we looked over and I was like, holy crap, there's three toms out there. He's like, no way. Really? I was like, yup. And he glassed them up. He's like, holy cow. And they were headed towards the wooded area, which is where we wanted to go to. And we had the ability to loop around at that point and get on the backside of those woods. And I said, this could actually work out extremely well. So, um, we worked out, we worked around the backside of that woods. Um, just like I said, um, that's about another 200 ish yards, 250 yards. And at that point, again, I was like, Justin, these birds are working. We got to go fast. Like, don't worry about sound or anything. We got to cruise. Cause if these birds beat us to that wooded area, there's no way we can get into the wooded area without them seeing us. Cause again, like you're just not going to beat birds in the woods. We just got to get there before them. So we hauled ass again. We just, just hiking really fast, you know, really, really fast, fast paced walk. Um, and so we get out there, um, it probably took us a few minutes to get out there. Um, and then we get set up and, and this little wooded area was kind of a, a, a small knoll figure, figure one acre of woods in amongst the swamp with a small knoll in the middle of it. And both there were of the four sides, one side's wooded, one side's the total burn where the, where the birds are coming from. Um, one side's a little marshy and the backside's also a total burn. So, you, you know, there's like maximum exposure in here. We're coming in on the backside through one of the burns and they're coming from the front side with, with a burn as well. So we get in there and I have Justin, I'm like, Justin creep up to the top of the knoll. If there's like a Turkey, a Tom coming in, just sit tight and, and shoot, shoot him. I'm not even going to call if he's coming, right? We're not even gonna set up decoys or anything. So he creeps up to the top of the knoll and, and he like pokes his head up and you know, this, the standard, the quick duck back down and he gives me the thumbs up and, and, and I said, what, like, I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he's, and he's like, decoys, decoys, they're there, but they're, they're, they're not coming. Okay. I was like, okay. So I went and set up the decoys kind of back behind him a little way, thinking that I want to come up, up um, and see these decoys. He was, he was on the top of the knoll or off to the left side of the knoll, I should say, but on the, on the topper side on the left. Um, and so I put them like right in the middle of the knoll thinking if they came in, they would see those, the, the Jake and the hen and they would work their way in. Um, so then, uh, so then after I set up those decoys or as I was setting them up, I looked up and at this point, I, Justin and I are probably like 15 to 20 yards apart. At this, I'm setting up the Jake. I got the hen set. I'm setting up the Jake and I look up and I see a Tom at 80 yards. Like I'm barely looking over the knoll and I just see his head go through. I mean, again, beautiful timing. I, and, and I would say like, it's beautiful timing, but also at the same time, I know like I've hunted that area enough now that I know the paths these birds would, would take kind of through this little wooded section. Um, they were, they were either going to the left or the right. And so I looked up in where I would think they'd be coming from if they were going to the right. And again, Justin was on the left, 
and I looked up and there he was and I was like, oh shit, that's a bird. Um, so I set the decoys and he had, he, this, this bird wasn't a hundred percent off to the right side. He could have worked right down the middle of this, um, uh, this little knoll and Justin could have shot him for sure. But I was like, well, at this point, you know, Justin set up on the left side, I'm going to back off, um, about 15 yards back and I'm going to bump off to the right side thinking if, if this bird comes on the right side of this little hill, um, Justin's not going to be able to see him. I'll still be able to see him and I'll be able to shoot him. If he comes at the decoys directly and comes for him, Justin can shoot him. If he loops around to the left, Justin can shoot him. And there were those other two Toms that were also out there. And I didn't know if Justin saw all three, if he only saw one or what he was, he saw when he told me they're there, but they're not coming. So I was just in my mind, I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll just set up off the right side in case something happens. So I get set up, um, a big deadfall and probably, a, a Oak that's like eight feet in diameter is in front of me. And, and the deadfall is behind me It's a really nice setup, a, a spot that I will certainly set up again and just a ton of cover. And so I, I make one call. I just do one real short kind of quiet Yelp. Um, just like, burp, 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 and that was it. And, um, and I look over at Justin and him and I can just see each other's heads at this point. And he gives me the thumbs up and I'm like, oh, sweet. This is awesome. So then I look around my tree and here comes the Tom that I saw and he's at 60 yards in closing. And I'm like, oh, heck yeah. So, so I don't know where these other two are. I think they're coming to him. Um, and I got one coming to me. I'm like, man, we might be able to double up here. So I'm sitting there behind the, behind this tree and, um, and this bird just keeps coming and coming and he's at like 40 yards now. And I peek around and he starts working up to the decoys and I'm like, heck yeah, get up to the decoys, go up there, beat them up. Justin's going to smash one of these birds or a couple of these one at one. And I'm going to be able to smash another. And, and so then I look, and again, I'm behind this like eight foot in diameter Oak, just this giant Oak. And so the bird walks, it starts going uphill. So I start looking uphill and I don't see him after like, you know, 10 seconds. It felt like forever. I look back to the right side of the tree on the downhill side and he's turned or turned, turned back downhill. And he's kind of walking, not away from me, but like in parallel with me. And then he stops at like 50 yards. He looks back at the decoys and just starts walking like essentially right at me. Like he's going to come right into me. And I'm, I'm leaning back behind this oak tree. I'm like, all right, here he comes. And I got my gun kind of down. Um, I always, one of the biggest tips that I would always, always, always suggest, like when you're hunting turkeys, especially public ground turkeys or, or really skittish turkeys, when you set up set up with your gun, like within inches of where you want to raise it to where you think you're going to shoot the bird. So I always set up being right-handed when I sit down and this is, this has got me in trouble a lot. Like I have lost probably four or five times because of this. Um, so I speak from experience here when I set up, I always prop my left leg up. So my left knee is up and I put my left hand on the top of my left knee and my gun on top of it. And I am almost always ready, like 
to pull that gun up. I shoulder it and everything. Like I'm ready in case these birds come in hot or they come in silent or all of a sudden they just appear, which anybody who's running gun turkey hunting, like it's hap it happens, right? All of a sudden they're just there. Um, and if your gun is like, you know, sitting between your feet or whatever, and you try to raise it up two feet, that bird picks you. He picks you and he takes off. Um, and you don't have the ability to shoot him or he's too, he's, he's, you know, he's out of your shooting lane or whatever. I, again, it's happened to me multiple times where I haven't been able to kill the bird or I've been too late swinging on him and I should have been able to kill him. So always set up with your gun at the ready, especially when you know birds are in the area. And if, even if you're sitting there for 20, 30 minutes with your gun at the ready, just still be at the ready. Cause they can just show up at any time. So I had my gun at the ready and, and he starts coming right at me. And again, I, he gets behind a bunch of big oaks again, I don't know where he is for a little bit. And then all of a sudden he just pops out at 20 yards right in front of me, right at my shooting lane. And all I see is his, is his head and he's staring right at me. <laughs> and I'm like, and he stops moving instantly. Like, you know, when you are picked, right? When, when a turkey sees you and he's super close, he's like, you can see it in his eyes. He's like, you're not, you're, you're not right. I don't know what you are, but I do not like the looks of you. So I was like, crap, this is the, the jigs up. This bird has got me. So I, I can't wait any longer to help Justin out. Like this bird's dead. Like I, I got to shoot this bird. So I pull the trigger, nothing <laughs> like my trigger does not move. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I feel I'm, I'm shooting a Benelli Nova, which is a, a $300 gun that I got forever ago. It's a three and a half inch pump shotgun. Um, and I feel my pump and my pump feels loose. I pull my trigger again and it's not moving at all. It's almost like it's already been fired. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I assume that when I pump my initial shell in um, on our first setup, I did not like pump it in well enough or or maybe I bumped my gun and, and my my uh, chamber came a little loose or something. So I tried to like just push forward to to seal my chamber and it didn't happen. Didn't have any effect. My trigger was still like dead. And this is, this is all happening within the course of like two seconds. Like my brain's just firing, like what the hell's going on? So this bird to turn or he, he starts to turn around. He takes three more steps into my shooting lane and almost in like one motion, I just boom and one, like one motion. And, uh, and I just tried to hold it as still as I could and just, you know, and, and, and it worked <laughs> and I, I ejected a three and a half inch and I pumped in a three and a half inch and I pulled that trigger and, and dumped him right there, uh, 20 yards right in the head. Um, great shot, uh, worked out awesome. Uh, Justin, ju and, and I didn't know exactly where I'd hit him. Right. Cause I, I pumped and pulled the trigger all in one shot and I was like, God, I hope I like, you know, it's, it happened so fast. Instantly, I just got up and started running for the bird to make sure because I knew I hit him right away because he he rolled and I got up to get closer to him to make sure I didn't like, you know, have a, a false sense of, of success there and get on him and, and get that bird killed for sure. So he doesn't get up and um, keep going. You always have those horror stories of those guys doing that. And as I get running, Justin starts running because he knows when the when the gun goes off, you got to go look for those other birds. And he said he saw the other two birds. They were coming. 
But, uh, and all of a sudden he heard my pump go off. He's like, all I heard was like a pump and then a shot. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what the hell happened, but you could just hear the bird flapping and uh, Justin came running over. He didn't get a shot at the other two, but we were all jacked up. It was a bit of chaos, all sorts of fun. And, and again, like from the time, from the moment we set up the decoys, when we got up to the knoll to the time I killed that bird was under 10 minutes for sure. Um, it's probably closer to six or seven minutes. So it was just like all of it happened super fast. And it was such a fun, like run and gun, get in the right spot, right place, right time, make a call, have that bird come in. And he, and he was eyeballing the Jake and the hen up there. You could tell him, tell he was looking at him, but he wasn't like fully committing. And if I would have just got dropped down and set up next to Jake, uh, or I'm sorry, set up next to Justin um, for photography because that was the main point. I photographed this whole thing, and that's why I say it's on, on Instagram and Facebook. I wanted to have a story of Justin killing his first bird, um, but Justin, when we got to the truck or that night before, I was texting him, and I was like, yeah, dude, I'm just going to – we'll just bring your gun, and you shoot one, and then I have a tag too. I'll shoot – I'll just grab your gun, and I'll go after that. We'll just focus on getting you one first. And he said, no, dude, don't. Bring your own gun. Um, and that way we can have double the odds. I'm in, he's like, I'm interested in killing a turkey. I'm not interested in just like me killing a turkey, which was really cool of him to say. Um, cause I just, I wanted, I, I proposed the hunt to him. I was like, dude, let's get you your first bird. Yada, yada, yada. And he was really cool about it, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are, but it's just nice to, nice to hear, nice to hear that. Right. So anyway, dropped that bird, you know, took some photos. It was an awesome hunt, high five, did all that fun stuff. Um, and then the next thing that we did was um, get out of uh, get out of the woods and we started going to look for another one. So we ended up, um, actually, yeah, the first thing I did was register that bird. I, I, we have to, so in Wisconsin, you have to register that bird um, within 24 hours. And for me, I always like one year I forgot to do it. Um, and you know, it's just, it's just something that you do forget to do. So I just got hopped online, registered it, and then we got on to the next bird. And, um, we had, since we had busted out those, those three times or I killed one, busted out two, um, <clears throat> we were like, all right, where are we going to do next? So, we kind of, while we were sitting there taking some photos, high-fiving and all that jazz, thinking about it, um, there was a couple other spots that I had, and so we started working towards um, some of these other fields that were further back. And at this point, like from our truck, I think as the crow flies, we were 1.7 miles. So, I'm sorry, not, not as the crow flies, as we walked, 1.7 miles. As the crow flies, probably 1.2. 1.1, something like that. So we were pretty far back on this piece of public, which again, like you always hear guys on the whitetail woods, go deep, go back, go further, you know, than anybody else. And you don't really hear that you know, about turkey hunting. Um, and that's another big tip that I have, you know, get away from pressure, just go a little bit further. I've never seen, I run trail cameras out here in the spring as well. Um, and I've never seen anybody else out there on this piece of public on trail camera in the spring. Um, actually, I shouldn't say never. I've gotten um, one year, I got one guy a couple times who was out there scouting, and then another year, I got one guy once. So, 
it's not never, but it's extremely rare that there's people out here. And I have never gotten anybody out there in full camo turkey hunting. So I know there's not a lot of turkey hunters out there. Um, and I've, I've just, I've, through the years, I've heard gobbles back in there, back in the deep swamp. So I'm just like, dude, I, if, you know, and especially in the spring when nothing's grown up, if you have an earlier tag for, you know, early May or late April or something like that, it's actually not a bad walk. Like, you know, the mile will take you mile and a half or whatever. It'll take you, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. But, you know, if there's unpressured birds back there and it's not bad vegetation, you know, there's no mosquitoes there. It's not super tall. It's not swampy or anything. It's a, it's, it's just more of a nature walk at that point, getting back there. If that's, where you need to get to. But for us, you know, obviously, as you guys have heard, we went from bird to bird to bird. We were just kind of chasing birds and it just led us deeper and deeper into the, into the piece. So, um, we, after, after that, we ended up going again, a little bit further, further back. Cause I know there's a field back there and I've heard birds on there and I almost killed one there a couple years ago. So I said, let's go back there. Um, we got on a few hens, no toms, um, so we kind of hung out there hoping a Tom would come by. There's kind of like, you know how whitetails, um, kind of have cruising lanes during the rut. I feel like turkeys have turkeys have, uh, uh, cruising lanes during the spring for their, you know, spring thunder, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, we sat in this one area cause it's a big crossroads of all these. It's actually four different pieces of property all coming together. Uh, three pieces of private, one piece of public kind of all come together in this little corner. And it seems like, uh, these toms really like to run this, this field edge and this big corner here. So, and on the public, they all have to get to, it's this uh, odd shaped corner for the public, but it's really, really nice for turkey hunting because, it forces birds to come onto the public before they can go onto one of the other pieces of private. So you always have an opportunity um, in there. So we kind of set up in there and we just waited and we sat there for probably like, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes watching these couple hens. Um, and we didn't hear any other gobbles, didn't see any other toms. So we were just like, all right, I guess we're gonna, and the area is a couple ag fields, a big CRP field and, and the public's kind of wooded right there. So um, we should have seen Tom's if they were there. So anyway, we bailed off of that and then ended up going to another area about a mile away. On the way, Justin did jump a Tom, um, almost got him actually. Uh, but there's, he flew behind a, a bunch of pine trees or otherwise Justin's a big duck hunter. He would have shot him out right of the air for sure. Um, but he's like, oh man, he got behind. I, we saw him get up and take off and I was like, Tom, 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 you know, and, and Justin's like, ah, oh, he's behind the pines. I can't shoot him. I can't shoot him. And, uh, and, and he flew off onto the private. So that was, that was, uh, that was a fun little encounter and exciting. Um, and then we got to another spot. We sat down, called for a while, um, nothing. And then as we were leaving, there was a Tom coming in quiet. You know, he picked us off cause we stood up, went to grab the decoys. He was out there about a hundred yards coming in and, and he picked us. And so that was one of those things. And one of the big pieces is, um, I've had this actually be successful, um, before. And when you get picked, um, and by picked, I mean, when you get seen, when, it, when a Tom sees you or a, or a Turkey sees you don't, um, the, the, the thing that I've found that's best to do is stand still as long as you can, like just don't even move, 
Okay. Don't try to like back up. Don't try to kneel down. Don't try to do anything. Just when you see that bird, just stop moving. And, and if, and if he doesn't see you or the hen doesn't see you yet, just slowly, really slowly, um, sink down and try to like hide yourself. Don't try to walk backwards. Don't try to walk forwards. Just really just sink down. Even if you're sinking down to your belly, just get down on the ground. Cause it seems like, and this is what happened here is I, I was walking out of this, the, the decoys to get the decoys and I saw the bird and Justin was behind me. I said, Justin, stop, stop, stop. And I stopped and that bird was just kind of walking. And we were both, Justin and I were both exposed at this point. And that bird hadn't seen us at all yet. And then Justin, I told him, I was like, Justin, stop, stop, stop. Don't move. And, and then Justin was like, oh crap. And Justin tried to back up into some cover. And when he started backing up, that bird stopped and looked up. And that bird had picked up that, I think the bird had picked up the movement, right? I think their eyes, their eyes, just like whitetails are trained to, to see movement as the threat and not necessarily like, you know, a, an oddly shaped tree that had never been there before, you know? So like if you stand still or just try to sink, you know, and melt down into the grass or wherever you are, I feel like that helps more than trying to back up and get to cover because you can sink down and then just, you know, scoot your way back to cover or crawl your way forward to cover, or you could just stay there and maybe he just gets close enough that you can then kill him, which I have had happen before um, in a wide open burnt field. I just literally, I came across a Tom who was strutting and he was facing away from me. I was in the wide open burnt field and this Tom was too. And I just laid down on the ground and he just kept coming closer and closer. And I had my bow with me. If I would add a shotgun, he came to 20 yards. Um, and if I would add a shotgun, I would have been able to kill him. But anyway, um, that one was totally zero cover. You know, I was just laying on the ground and he just kept working towards me and towards me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of my, my tips as well is just sink down. Don't try to move at all. Just, just slowly. I mean, don't try to move forward or backwards, just sink down. Um, but anyway, that Tom saw us, Justin backed up that Tom all of a sudden stopped, you know, they stick their head up, they stare at you for 10 minutes and they just walk off or they run off. So that's what happened there. And then we just worked our way out, um, after that. And that was about three thirty, four o'clock, somewhere around that range. So anyway, I mean, it was a great hunt. It was a really fun hunt. We were out there for close to eight hours, um, right around eight hours. We covered four and a half miles of ground. It was like 19,000 steps or something Justin had recorded on his, uh, on his watch. So, I mean, it was a good, it was a good hunt. It was a really fun hunt. Um, I'm sad to say that Justin didn't get his first bird, but at the same time we did get a bird and I will be, uh, getting Justin some of this meat. That's one of the questions that I, that I had was when I cut up this bird, I didn't give him any Turkey right away. Um, because one of my thoughts was I should make the, make a recipe for him. And if that's something you guys have ever thought about, like, you know, you're hunting with a friend or hunting with a buddy, like, do you give them the, the raw meat? Do I give him, you know, a Turkey breast, a wild Turkey breast and go, here you go, man, cook it up. Or because he's never killed a turkey, I don't know what he's going to do with it, right? He just might put it in a pan, think it's like a chicken breast or drop it on the grill like a chicken breast or something like that and cook it that way. Or like I could take the time and prepare. Um, I really like uh, turkey leg white chili. So I'll cook my turkey legs for like eight to 10 hours in a crock pot, 
peel it, add it to a white chili that I really like, and then it'll be a turkey leg white chili. I love eating that. That's that's I find that really good. I had it for dinner tonight. Or I make turkey nuggets, which I will I will soak the whole breasts in Italian dressing for um, anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. The longer seems to be better. Um, those breasts really absorb a lot of that Italian dressing. And then from there, cut it up into little bite-sized chunks, roll it in um, some breading. I like, um, it's ranch and herb and it's uh, shake and bake, shake and bake ranch and herb breading. Um, and you don't add egg wash or anything to it. It's just the wet, the wet breast itself throw it in the, the ranch and herb breading, and then you throw it into a fry pan, much like you would fry up, you know, crappies or bluegills or something like that. You put a little bit of coconut oil in the bottom. Um, not a lot. You're not deep frying it or anything. And then you drop the breasts in and you cook it like that, you know, a couple minutes per piece. And you got yourself some phenomenal turkey nuggets. My kids love them. My wife actually, my wife eats them. She's not a big turkey fan, but she loves those. Um, and a lot of people, that's a really, really easy meal for, for people to digest, and it tastes great. So it's kind of one of those things that's like, holy cow, if this is what you can make out of turkey, I should hunt these more. Um, you get a more positive, not that it's a, not that Justin wouldn't hunt turkeys again or anything, but it just gives them a little bit more incentive of, damn, those were good. Like, I want to I get those and make those myself type of thing. So that's what I'll be doing. I have a turkey breast saved for them, um, and I'll be getting it out and thawing it up and then and then kind of, kind of, kind of cooking all that up for him sometime, um, and, and getting it over to him. So that's my idea. I don't know if anybody else out there ever has a, has a thought on that kind of stuff is like, do you give them the raw meat or do you kind of prepare it for them and help them out? Um, I suppose it depends on their experience level and how much you want to give them and whatnot. So a couple years ago when I shot my elk, um, some of the guys in my camp that I owed favors to for helping me a lot, you know, I gave everybody some meat that helped me pack it out. And the guy that called it in for me, I gave him a whole, a whole backstrap. I was like, dude, thank you so much. What do you want? And he said, he was like, well, if you're serious about it, like I, I'll take a front shoulder. I said, do you want the whole, you know, a whole backstrap, a whole one side? And he was like, well, yeah, I'd, sure. I'd take that. And I was like, all right, perfect. Let's just do that. Like I, I owe you, I wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for you. So I owe you a lot take all this this is one you know obviously one of the best cuts thank you so much for your help type of thing and that but that guy cooks and he hunts elk all the time he cooks elk all the time he knows what to do um whereas i don't know if justin would necessarily because he's never never got a turkey before so maybe that's that's the thought there but either way rambling a little bit i thought this was going to be like a 30 minute podcast i'm at an hour eight minutes hour nine nine minutes right now so anyway those are my tips. I hope I hope this the story was fun to listen to. I hope it was helpful. I hope you guys learned something about it. Um, you have any questions? Of course, always hit me up on Instagram. And uh, and last thing again, um, you know the archery shoot June 11th on Saturday. Um, hit me up. It's from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or whenever you guys kind of leave. Um, it's a great. It, it's it's a good time. It, it really is. We had 30 people out there last year. We already have 30 people registered this year. Um, I'm whole. I have a maximum of 50. Cause this is the first year we're opening it to the public and my family's kind of like, you know, let's not, let's not have a lot of people come. Um, let's just keep it to a manageable number just in case, you know, we have some random weirdos show up, right? They're always a little concerned about that. I don't think any of you guys are weirdos out there, but 
you know, it never, it, it, it could happen. It could happen. So we just want to make sure we, we can get our bases covered. Um, but anyway, hit me up if you want to go to the archery shoot. Um, it's a good time. And then also, um, thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, please leave a review. Um, please tell your friends. Um, hopefully this is helpful and you guys find this, uh, both entertaining and educational. <laughs> All right. With that, catch you guys later and have a great work week.